Hey guys, welcome back to the definitive ranking of The Legend of Zelda. In the last episode, we looked at Twilight Princess, but this month, we're taking a deep dive into The Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Seasons. Just as last month, we uh, put out a poll for the community to vote in. We had a little bit less uh, response this time. I think just the nature this of it is expected. Yeah, Oracle of Seasons, not quite as popular as Twilight Princess, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean it ranked worse. We both got a chance to replay it, and had mm -hmm. you played Oracle of Seasons recently at all? I played it a year and a half ago, two two years ago, something like that, and that was my first time replaying it since, like, being a kid. I never owned it as a child, and I never completed it as a child, so, like, I, I had only vague, you know, maybe playing a little bit on an emulator or something like that, but... I, it's okay. more of a modern game for me. Did it still feel kind of new in the sense that you weren't like totally familiar with everything? Um, I mean, this time around, I was like, I remember, okay, this is that dungeon. You know, I know, okay, I got to go to the sunken city now. And I know what you do there. Uh, you know, I never got hung up on anything really, except for maybe some navigation issues sometimes. But yeah, it's it still was pretty fresh though. It just wasn't. It was a good middle ground, actually, where I was, like, re-experiencing things, but also still, like, get a little bit of challenge, you know? It's like some Zelda games I play now, and I just, you know? So it's right. a good middle point, I would say. I've probably played this game uh, approximately <laughs> 47 times, I think. Right. <laughs> then again, I still, I, I've been I've been working on the walkthrough for the game recently, so I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been fresh in my mind. Uh, but I played through it again. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Let's talk about the world of Oracle of Seasons. So I said it was good. I think it's really fun to navigate and explore around, especially with the the main gimmick of the game, We're changing the seasons. You know, it's got four, basically four different, you know, ways it can look for every screen. I think that's really cool. And, you know, I love the way it's got that classic Zelda thing of like, once they started to get go harder on items and stuff like that, where as you collect more items, you can kind of pick away at the map. Right. Yeah. And you keep watching, you know, all the squares get filled in mm -hmm. as you progress throughout the game. I love that aspect of the world. Just in pure gameplay-wise, mm -hmm. it's a real fun world to play. I do think it's kind of sparse, though, in terms of, like, characters and, right. and like, interesting locations or towns it's kind of a throwback to zelda one in a way mm -hmm. which has no no towns you know mm -hmm. that d comes off fine in that game in this game it, it seems a little odd it's a fairly empty world in terms of uh people yeah Th there's there's a few isolated people here and there and then there's like the gorons up top and there's the sunken city people but not many meaningful characters in this world I yeah would say. i want to like it okay but it's got too many things going against it i think i okay i love the fact that you can go to an area like early on you only have you get like the winter season first mm -hmm. and that's the only season you have and so each of the areas have a default season as well mm -hmm. so but then like later on you can come back with the spring and so and it's like oh there's new stuff here yeah. And uh, I love that. It, it, like, multiplies the overworld by four to an extent. Maybe not fully. Yeah, But yeah. it's worth noting that it's kind of it does have somewhat of a dual world, despite playing this game, like I said, 47 times. I still don't have a mental map of Sabrosia in my head. Even how it connects to the to the upper, to the, was it Holodrum? Yeah. Yeah. How it connects to Holodrum, it doesn't really make, or it probably makes sense, but it just doesn't feel... Right, it's not like you're on the east side of the map, so therefore you're on the east side. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like Sabrosia. I don't yeah. like navigating it. And uh, I felt the world, uh, none of the characters in the world really mm -hmm. entice me. In fact, like even the main town, can you name a character in Horon Village? I can describe some. Yeah. There's like the mayor or something, you know? Yeah, there's Bippin and Blossom. Right. And, but like the world... It doesn't. I don't feel like I want to spend time in this world and like okay. talk to these characters. I, yeah, definitely from a pure like character story standpoint, I agree. Like I said, I do like the the navigation. I like Sabrosia as a concept. I think it's kind of cool. It's like they say it's like 
underground, but there's also like portals. It sounds like hell to me, <laughs> you know what I mean? But you go there and it's like this doofy music playing and everyone's mm. like, likes to dance and like play uh, throw, hide and seek and stuff. It, yeah, they throw boomerangs and... With the concept of changing the weather, it's fun for navigation, but you could integrate it with the characters more, like sort of like the dual multiple world changing elements in other Zelda games where you change time or something like that. You always at least have some characters where I feel like you get a significant story where you where you do something for them. Like, you know, change you know, definitely with time travel there's obvious stuff there. But even I think of like little stuff like like Flute Boy in a link to the past where uh-huh. it's going between worlds and they tell a nice little story there. There's nothing really with that with seasons in this one because the way they implement that mechanic into the game, there's not much you really could do with it right? other than like have uh, Moosh be like, I need the banana or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, <laughs> it's not a great story there. M- most know? of the characters don't interact with the seasons. Yeah. There's like the little kid in Horon <laughs> Village that like, oh, it's spring, so the flower he uses mm-hmm. as like a trampoline. and Right. But like there's most of them. Or it's, it's like, oh, you... Are you Santa Claus? You know, okay. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah, but it's. Mm. I I thought it was good just from I because I always enjoyed playing it. You know, yeah. I was just always having fun. Uh, looking at the art style, it looks like we we completely agreed on this one. Yeah, you and I, we both liked it. Mm-hmm. I gave. It I a liked four. it a lot actually. Okay, and uh, we, you know we mentioned with 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 the categories here, everything's kind of up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. What you want to include, so this could be like the graphical art style. But it could also be some of the official art and the box art and stuff like that. Yeah, just uh, for me, it's the overall vibe you get from the game. Mm-hmm. And I do, like, if we're talking about the official art, that did help it for me. Just because it is that, it's that classic Zelda style mm-hmm. that I think of from the, like, early 90s to early 2000s. You know, all the 2D games of that era. I mm-hmm. love, I love that. That's, like, bar none, my favorite official art style of Zelda. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, some of the character designs, I think, are definitive iconic character designs yeah sometimes you have just a 2d sprite of a character but then almost every major character and its oracles and its sister game oracle of ages they all have uh their own unique artwork Mm -hmm. and i like how some of the artwork relates to their character so like there's like mayor rule for example he's like dancing with like he's holding up a gasha seed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that and it his artwork, it just looks kind of cool. Yeah, it like brings them to life a little bit more. It does, yeah. Even on the from the Game Boy, yeah. Yeah, and it has Captain from the, and, and the Pirations are like these little kids. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, it's cute. I like it. I mean, on top of that, though, I I actually I love the Game Boy Zelda's art styles, the the three Game Boy mm-hmm. Game Boy Color games. Uh, there is something. It might just because I grew up with Link's Awakening. And so it shares that similar style, but there's just something about it that mm-hmm. hits me right. But especially in this, because now this is designed for the Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. so it's the color is brought into mind way more than in Link's Awakening. I mean, especially, again, with the seasons, right? just some of the screens, like changing it and then being like, wow, you know, it's right. it goes from like this dead winter forest to now it's colorful and there's mushrooms growing yeah. or something you know like it's I, I love that i think it's incredible i found it sometimes difficult to note the differences between spring and summer okay yeah yeah i can i can see that i they could have done a little bit more to differentiate those because like, i think autumn and winter are totally different mm-hmm. in their color schemes and what's going on on screen yeah i think they did a good job of representing it also another thing just another minor thing with the color is like all the dungeons in this game are very vibrant. You know, in Link's Awakening, I think they went with a more, I want to say, like, realistic palette. But you know what I mean. It's, like, more natural muted colors, where this is, like, the floor will be, like, yellow and green or yeah. purple and, like, totally. This is the blue dungeon. This is the purple dungeon. Yeah. This is, they're all, each dungeon is its own color. And they're very, the yeah, the, like, palettes that mm-hmm. they go with them are, are very, very distinct. I think it's very cool. All right, moving on to the story. And it's worth noting that this was the lowest score that the staff gave collectively with a 2.4. Okay. Uh, the second lowest score from the community and my lowest score as well because mm-hmm. I gave it a 1. Okay. 
I felt one. Yeah, I will give it. It's straight to the point. You know, you meet Onyx at the very beginning, who's the main villain, and you know he kidnaps Din, and it's like, all right, you have an objective right away. You got to save Din. Mm-hmm. You meet the Mako Tree in the first ten minutes of the game. Like, oh, you got to restore. You got to get all the essence of the seasons. Then you're off on your adventure. And unlike most Zelda games, where sometimes you got to beat three dungeons and then there's like some sort of plot twist or whatever. There is no plot twist, really. Mm-hmm. There is no anything. Yeah. You don't meet any... Uh, you don't see Onyx until the end of the game. Mm-hmm. You don't... Uh, you can interact with the Mako Tree, but you don't really have to because just, he just talks to you. Like, you mm-hmm. don't actually visit him. Uh, there's no... like You do meet Twin Rova randomly uh, on your way to the Ancient Ruins be- before the Sixth Dungeon, of mm-hmm. which you don't even know who that character is though yeah like it's ambiguous and i guess we it depends on how you play it too but like they might not even matter that much the yeah. story if you don't own oracle of ages <laughs> and you're only playing oracle of seasons by itself mm-hmm. that character makes no sense whatsoever which is not necessarily a bad thing i'm, I'm not gonna knock it for uh-huh. that uh but i felt like this game was this is a post this is a post 2000s game I expect more from the storyline of Zelda by that's, now. That's the thing I was going for. And because it is very simplistic, but I, I also think, like, just to set a precedent for later, I'm probably going to give other games where people view the story as simplistic, like, good scores. Because mm-hmm. I think there is value in a, a simple story, which is also why I didn't go one. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you're moving along through the game, it doesn't, I it's not, like, disappointing me. You know, like, I'll I'll take that over too much and a slog and nothing adds up mm-hmm. as you know i like this aspect of it more where it's like well it's it's forgettable but it doesn't matter but yeah. i will say it does lack especially if, even if you compare it to its its contemporaries and i'm not just talking you know ages i'm like links links awakening has even that's very simplistic and it ha- still has something right interesting little tidbits you know this i feel like you get you get nothing. Like again, none of the, not even like the characters. I think are just saying anything interesting. It's just a lot of like, ah, the seasons are mm-hmm. messed up. I mean, a lot of this game to me comes down to how much you like being in Subrosia. Okay. Because I don't mind. I don't mind a game where you don't really see the villain till the end. That's fine, I guess. But if you give me something good, mm-hmm. but a lot of the like between the dungeons in this game is you go to Subrosia and you <laughs> you go you gotta dig up and go on a date. You know, you know what? I like Rosa. I like how everybody wants to go on a date with Rosa. Okay, and okay. The, there's like a whole. If you talk to all the Subrosians, they're all like, oh, "I gotta get a star so I can go on a date with her." Oh, like you got to go on a date with her. Like they're all. It's all about dating Rosa. I don't like anything in that area, really. <laughs> I mean, some of it's that's even cute in 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 its own. But I just wish I feel like this was one that didn't need. Mm-hmm. It didn't need that second world. That's gonna. It's much like Twilight Princess again to me, where it's like, just cut out, just cut out this aspect of it, and I'd probably like the game a lot. Yeah, more. I think they should have done more with the story with the seasons. You know, even if even if you don't see Onyx, you could go affect other people's lives or something. You know, as you're going between the dungeons, mm-hmm. again involving changing the seasons or something. You know, right? Even yeah. if it's just these little quests. There's not that many in between. Like character, like sometimes there's like subplots, like in Twilight Princess, we talked about the children. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it doesn't have as much of that in in this one. Yeah, you at least do like one thing mm-hmm. every time. Well, right. no, sometimes no. There is more to the story in the linked game. Yeah, when like especially like when you find out like Queen Ambie's character from Oracle of Ages. Mm-hmm. You know, she appears in Oracle Seasons in a linked game. Yeah. You know, it turns out, like, you know, in Oracle of Ages, she's building her black tower because she wants, she's looking for her, her true love. Who's Cap'n, right? Yeah, who ends yeah. up being the captain of the Pyration. Yeah. So there's, like, a cool little love story between the queen and a, you know, what, a dead skeleton. Right. <laughs> I think, yeah, there's a lot of cool bits like that within a linked game, which is, again, why I gave it, I boosted it up from, it's not bad, it's just... It's okay because it's it, more non-existent than bad, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't get me excited though, for sure. Let's talk about the the pacing and uh, and progression. 
I think yeah, I think it's fantastic myself because mm-hmm. I think okay. there's uh, I gave I gave it a four. The game does start off very easy. I would yeah, say early on, certainly like that first dungeon, gnarled rude, and even into snakes remains like the first few bosses. The, there's nothing complicated. Nobody's really getting stuck, and it does ramp up. I think fairly like I think the difficulty difficulty is like this. I feel like like yes. it's just constant up. Yes, in terms of the the enemies and bosses. And then towards the later dungeons, the the how complicated some of the dungeons are. Like, yeah, you don't yeah. know where to. Go. So I think it's it's got the right difficulty progression, mm-hmm. and uh, I think the pacing is is solid. You're going dungeon to dungeon. It's a dungeon crawler, but like there's always something to do before yeah. each dungeon. The only negative I have is sort of what you touched on earlier. Is it is a little repetitive. You're just going back to Sabrosia over and over. Mm-hmm. Each time you go to Sabrosia, something different is happening. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Maybe I wanted a little bit more. For me, it, again, comes down to, like, I'm just never... It wasn't as bad this time because I, like, I had the familiarity a little bit. But I just, like, don't... I'm not ever having a good time in Sabrosia. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just don't... I don't oh. like... I don't like the that world or whatever that much. And I... You know, I don't like doing the dance. I don't hate. I don't hate it like I've seen some people, but I just, mm-hmm. just never. I'm just ready to like do the next thing, and so that's that's what stops it from like being great to me. But but it's also all that stuff is it's different than like uh, stuff I complained about in Twilight Princess because it takes two minutes to do each thing. So it's just right. like okay, whatever. That wasn't good, but or you know, it wasn't great. But onto the next thing, you know. Yeah. And then get into these dungeons that I like mm-hmm. a lot. So. So moving on to the the gameplay and combat, clearly okay. you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I I just again I just simply love this old this old school Game Boy gameplay. Okay. Like and again I think it has to do with um, growing up with Link's Awakening. Maybe everything about it just feels so for me feel so good and so natural about it. And it's a Game Boy game. I like the combat in this. I I might sound blasphemous, but I, for me, I like it more than like a link to the past okay. in terms of how it feels. It clicks with me. I don't know what it is. It might like it might be uh, subject like super subjective here, but like that's just mm-hmm. like everything feels good. Fighting enemies, the the you know the way they sound when you hit them and kill them, like it just clicks in my brain. On top of that, like all the items that they have in this game, like most of them really help with with the way you navigate or fight enemies like mm-hmm. i just think you go from you know jumping around and you have the pegasus seeds that help your jumping and then to like floating i just find all that really fun fun when it comes to not just not just the combat but the navigation around the mm-hmm. world so again like even though sometimes this world was like kind of barren and stuff like that i was just going from point a to point b just always having a blast with it um i yeah i just loved yeah going around the overworld like looking for the dungeon fighting enemies just it doesn't get old you know yeah i think it's a good because this game it, the foundation of oracle of seasons is Link's awakening i feel yeah and this took it to the next level like one thing the dungeons are all much bigger, both in terms of the size of the rooms, but more so the actual rooms are not just a set square because you can they scroll, so it allows for much bigger areas to navigate. Mm-hmm. It's one of those minor things that I think change things a little bit. I kind of factor in puzzles into gameplay yeah. as well. Yeah, and uh, so I agree with virtually everything you said. Like I was ready to hit five on this one and move on. Okay, but I dropped it to four. You don't like the puzzles or? One puzzle in particular, and usually I wouldn't let one puzzle bother me this okay. much, but it's it's the the whole quest when you're on your way to the ancient ruins when you got to go through the woods, and you got to go on the stump and you change the seasons. Okay. The puzzle is you have to change the seasons. I believe it says like in increasing or like as the weather gets warmer. Yes. And uh, I you know I'm no meteorologist here. But okay, I'm like, where are you going with okay, this? Okay, I'm like, my initial thought is, well, fall it's getting colder as the season goes, so it's because it's 
leading towards winter. Oh, okay. This was my initial thought. Now, winter is the coldest. Spring, it starts getting warmer, and then summer is the hottest. Uh-huh. And I remember, like, this was my thoughts as a 14-year-old Mossy's playing this game. Uh-huh. Brand new, and I'm like, I was stuck. I didn't understand. because oh, you're thinking chronologically? Yeah. But then okay. even if you don't think of it that way, what's a warmer season, spring or fall? Oh. Hmm. I... I... I did not have this issue at all, actually. I don't like this puzzle at all. Okay. I bet. Sure. I'm willing to bet that a significant portion of people got stuck here and had to look something up. Okay. I really think so. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. There, there. I mean, there's parts in this game that I can think of where I just struggled for a bit more from a mechanical aspect because of a weird thing. But, like, it was the flip side of what you're saying where it's like, I'm not going to let this one little thing affect this because 99% of the time I was having a right. blast. The only reason I, I, I'm making a big deal about this one is, one, it's part of the main quest where you have to do yeah. this to progress. And two, it is the culmination of the trading sequence as well, mm-hmm. where it says it's the same puzzle. You don't even need to do the trading sequence, by the way. <laughs> right. You right. Know, which is kind of lame, if you ask me. I like The deck of scripture just gives you the sword, right? You don't need to. Uh, so it's it's anyway. This one puzzle is part of the main quest, and it is the end of the trading sequence. So it's a big deal. Okay. It's not just just throwaway puzzle. Wow. When when I was there, I was like, oh, this is kind of neat, neat little riddle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never crossed my mind. But wow. Okay. Okay. I accept that. I I got stuck when I was fourteen, and I've played this game however many times. And uh, when I played through this time, I got stuck again. Oh, wow. <laughs> you kind of dabbled into it a little bit, the yes. items and the abilities. Uh, we, we're in agreement on this one. They're great. They really are. And I feel there is very few things in the entire Legend of Zelda series that are as satisfying as using the Pegasus Seeds mm-hmm. and Rock's Feather. And just flying. Not, not Rock's Feather. Rock's, Rock's Cape. Cape. Yes. Yeah. Rock's Feather is okay. We saw that in Link's Awakening. But, I mean, it's still a great item, I think. But. We get it early on, fairly early, uh, in, in Poison Moth Lair, the mm-hmm. third dungeon. But then you get Rock's Cape in, in Explorer's Crypt. Once you get that, it's... It's a game like, changer. Oh, my God. Does it feel amazing? Yeah. Again, it feels good to do. Mm-hmm. It just clicks, yeah. I feel like it also does a good job of taking the items you use in Link's Awakening and kind of, like giving them a slight upgrade in, in, in how you use them. You get the bracelet in Link's Awakening, and it's like, okay, cool, I can lift stuff. It's not that exciting, but it does change the world a lot, so it's cool. But mm-hmm. in this, it's like, okay, what, what else can you do with it that would make it kind of fun? So you have, like, pushing those cylinder objects across the screen. Right, yeah. And then they add in, like, where you have to push it but jump over stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of good, like, item combinations in this, especially when you come into a dungeon. This is, like, a normal thing in Zelda now, but you come into a dungeon and you're going to be using a lot of what you used in the last dungeon till you get the next one, and then you're going to even use them in combination. And I right. think they do a really good job at that. Yeah. And every item you get, I think changes the game so much mm-hmm. like it changes your navigation the way you interact with the world and puzzles but also it changes where you can go in the world you know like that's a that's a i mean obvious zelda thing but they right, they yeah. just do it so well it's it's it it's more it's it's here it's in this game more than most y- yeah it's We're, it's so strong there's that. rocks like all over the place and like at the beginning of the lo- of the game and it's like, oh, you finally get the power bracelet. Now you can lift all of those. Mm-hmm. And even before that, the trees that are all over the place. Like, and it builds like it builds. They build on each other well, like not in just combination, but also the way like the upgraded items feel like a cool upgrade from the last one. Like one thing that I didn't really care about in the last episode was double claw shots were like kind of cool, but like. Really, it's just you can hook shot, then hook shot again. Mm-hmm. Or this is like you mentioned Rock's Cape. You go from you can jump to now like you can just fly around mm-hmm. the screen. Or like Boomerang, you can you know you go from throwing the boomerang to now you're like right. kind of controlling it, which is pretty neat for mm-hmm. a boomerang. You know. Yeah. Only things I have like kind of negative to say about it mm-hmm. is uh, not much 
in terms of optional stuff. Okay. There are some things that are, again, locked behind the length game. Mm-hmm. You can get the Master Sword and the Big Goron Sword okay. and Bomb Chews, of which they're really not that great. But it's uh, uh, it's it's missing a little bit, uh-huh. I think, in terms of optional content. Okay, yeah, that wasn't what knocked it for me, because in, in, they're all used so tightly that I almost appreciate how focused it felt. Um, I, though I will say, like, I, other than all the other ones I mentioned, like how they the upgrades felt cool in the last dungeon, like the triple seed shooter. I was like, oh, okay. It's know. cool conceptually. It made the yeah. boss fight a lot easier because <laughs> you can hit hit the Medusa head a little bit better, but yeah. otherwise not that cool. And then I guess I m- maybe meant to, I didn't really bring it up in gameplay, but like um, the the animals in the game, the companions are Okay. Or okay. I actually. Which companion did you end up getting, by the way? I think Moosh. Okay. Yeah. I I got got. Moosh. By default, you get Ricky. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you purchase the strange flute from the shop. Oh, I did. Okay. I never called Moosh unless I really needed to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really need him too much. So, from it, like, I actually don't think they're as cool as as they are. I mean, I'm glad they're there, though. Uh, Let's talk about. uh, We've kind of hinted at it a few times now, but. The dungeons of the game. Yeah. Um, they're awesome, I think. Again, I just love this era of dungeon design in Zelda, where they're like very complex, uh, but also like finely detailed navigational dungeons where, you know, the, pu- the puzzle, the big puzzle in the thing is just figuring out where to go. You're collecting multiple keys, that's a big, a big thing, and having multiple options of where to spend them, and having to remember in your head, oh, I need to go back here, I need to go back here. Right. Or like, oh, I need this item to progress this way. I love that. That's like mm-hmm. why I love Zelda, is that I love picking away at these mm-hmm. the knots of the dungeons. Right. And this is, I mean, this is, if anything this game does right, is the, the gameplay and the and the dungeon crawling. Right. So for me, like, that's that's the strong suit of this game as well. Again, I've talked about the use of the items in the dungeon. Like, I think they have great puzzles that involve all the items and right. the combinations. I've kind of touched on it, that, you it, know. And this game, more than I think most Zelda games, are is very item-centric to the specific dungeon. Yeah. Like I don't like I think this is like might maybe more than any other game. It's like you get the magnetic gloves in in uh, Unicorn's Cave, and it's like every single puzzle involves the magnetic yeah. gloves. The boss involves the magnetic like, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with like the magic boomerang. And but then they still carry over into the they other do. dungeons. Yes, and you're you're eventually having to like jump and glove and shoot or boomerang a switch so you can <laughs> jump here. You know, it's they're really cool. I yeah. think. The progression is obviously we talked about that. It's cool. The only the only like knock, you know, I said it was excellent, but uh, just some of them lack distinctiveness other than the right. cool color design. Yeah, like I think that's neat. But like, yeah, you don't. It's the opposite of what we talked about in Twilight Princess, where you know, it's like, what what is this place? Especially with the story, it's just like you got to go to Poison Moth's Lair. Why is it called that? Well, there's a a poison moth at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, it's like if I just jump in and say, you know, what are your thoughts on Unicorn's Cave? And like, like I can't. Which even, one yeah. is Unicorn's Cave? Wait, is that the one? And it's this, the, yeah, it's the dungeons are not as memorable. Mm-hmm. And I feel that this is not just because it's a two D game and it's a top down game. Because I think to I think I think to its counterpart. Like Oracle of Ages mm-hmm. has some of the same problems with some of the earlier dungeons. Yeah, but some of yeah. its later dungeons, like Mermaid's Cave, it's got a past and present. Mm-hmm. It's got Jabu Jabu's belly with the water level, and there's the ancient yeah. tomb. There's very thematic and very distinctive dungeons. Yeah, this one, I think Sword and Shield uh, Maze is probably, and maybe Explorer's Crypt are the only ones. No, Explorer's Crypt, I think, is a standout. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great. It's got it's a five dungeon. Where mm-hmm. all the other ones are fours, maybe. Yeah, but those are the only two mm-hmm. that are standouts that mm-hmm. were like, oh, I'm in this dungeon. Like, this yeah. is clearly the 
the like ghost themed dungeon, mm-hmm. and this other one's a fire and ice themed dungeon. Like, yeah, I you know me based on my rating from Twilight Princess, <laughs> I love thematic dungeons. Yeah, same. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, this one like anybody who's played this game, you think back, and most of the dungeons won't be memorable. You might have had a good experience with them, but mm-hmm. I feel and I feel that's kind of important. Yeah. But, but but not enough to. I mean, we said they were excellent, though. Yeah, I gave it a three, so I'm right in the. Middle. Oh, oh, sorry, I I misunderstood that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I like I said to me with with a lot of things in this game, it really feels like the focus Capcom was going for was just like to make a really fun game to play. Yeah. And story wise and stuff, it's you know you you hear about how there was like the third Oracle game that never made it past concept and they mm-hmm. put some of it into this even this feels barren of some ideas mm-hmm. in terms of what everything means but like i gave it a four because just playing it is so good and satisfying yeah and i'll i'll remember some of the dungeons for the the puzzles and stuff okay let's talk about some of the bosses and some of the enemies it's worth noting that you know when they were originally making three of these games, one of them was going to be a remake of The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, and a lot of those elements carried over into Oracle of Seasons, mm-hmm. particularly like the first couple, like the first dungeon. Yeah, is almost in the same structure mm-hmm. as the first dungeon of Legend of Zelda. Yep, and uh, virtually all the bosses from The Legend of Zelda have basically upgraded versions in this game. I thought initially. It's cool to see a new Aquamentus. It's cool to see a new yeah. Dig Dogger, a new Manhandler, mm-hmm. like all of them. I'm happy they're yeah. there in yeah. a way. The only issue is that there's not that much in terms of new bosses. There's like one or two though, right? I mean, uh, the boss of Sword and Shield Maze, yeah. uh, it's it's like Medusa a Medusa head. head. It's a med- metal lock or whatever it's called. But yeah. Okay. And uh, I will point out though, some of the mini bosses in this game are standouts to me. Yes. Uh, that's what I, I said too. Is I, like the mini bosses in this were way more fun than the boss. Some of them, in case, uh, not yeah. all of them, but... or or just in in terms of having that like, oh, I've got to use the bracelet to lift these squids out of the water and <laughs> throw them, or how whatever you had to do, you know, like where it actually had some kind of cool puzzles where. Um, I don't know. I felt like the bosses were a bit more combat focused. Sometimes that got old. Like uh, Aquamentis and Mothula, I didn't move when I fought oh. them. I stood in one spot and just sorted them, and they died. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. And that's not like a strat I've developed. That was just me. That was me doing the Jamie strategy. Okay. Yeah. You know? So, but then later, but then some of the later ones are like. They get really hard. So hard. Gleehawk, I felt, was... Once I knew what to do, it was a little bit easier, but I was getting demolished, you know? I feel Manhandle is a difficult boss. Manhandle was the one I was thinking of that is my favorite return boss. Okay. Because I felt like... It's totally different. This Totally different. That was fun. That was, like, a great change. But, yeah, some, mm. of, the, some of the bosses there were more... Just mm. swing your sword at it, you know? Yeah. Overall, some good, good bosses... I gave it, I, I think it's middle of the road. Mm-hmm. This is more so because I think there are a lot of Zelda games that have awesome bosses. There's very okay. few Zelda games that I think the bosses are atrocious. So okay. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, if I give this a four, nothing's going to get below three. Yeah, that's that was a struggle I had with this, with this too, where it's like, like am I ever going to give a Zelda game story a one? I don't, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, so so <laughs> this is like one of the things, like when I'm making, when I'm doing the scale, when I'm, I'm thinking, how am I rating this amongst uh-huh. as a Zelda game? Uh-huh. So I'm going to flat out admit that I might never, you know, maybe I won't for some of these categories oh, there, give a one, but there, we'll see. There's a chance that some, yeah, we don't know. I I, I haven't. I'm going with my heart. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I have not, like, written out all 16 major <laughs> games, and these are my rankings, and they're saying. You know, one thing we didn't talk about in our last video when we talked about bosses was the final boss, which is such a big part of Twilight Princess. But maybe we should... I mean, Onyx Fight, I felt, was like, it's hard. The, the Dark Dragon, the second phase, yeah. is really hard. But I also found it very whatever. Like, I didn't find it that fun either. Well, it's like, who is this guy, and why are you fighting him? <laughs> He's a dragon now? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. The, the actual combat's okay. I do like the display... And the like the just the appearance, mm-hmm. and it's a it's it's not top down. It's 
like side scroll. Yeah, which I don't like any of the side scrolling stuff in this game, but that was kind of yeah. neat, I guess, as a visual. Yeah, it's it's a solid final boss. I think one of the most difficult makes you use the rod of seasons. Um, oh right, yeah, in, <laughs> in the first phase, yeah, not in the way you would expect or hope, but yeah, you know, it's worth noting though that if you do play the Link game, you fight Twin Rova and Ganon. Uh-huh. And those are also extremely difficult bosses. Mm-hmm. So it's like this between, I think, the second phase of Onyx and Twin Rova and Ganon, probably, I might say, the hardest like ending to any Zelda could, game. Yeah, could be. I've never done the whole thing, like, legitly. I Like, save state or whatever. In, in your most recent playthrough, did you die against... Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think back to the marathon of 2019... I was not able to beat Dark Dragon. I I died I think four times in a row, and I, I granted I was underpowered and and whatnot, and I didn't mm-hmm. have any potion, but it was pretty embarrassing. It is, yeah, it is rough. Good, good, difficult bosses though. Yeah. Oh, as far as the the regular enemies, good, good mix. There's a great of, diversity, and yeah. I like that. There's new, uh, I think there's new enemies in every mm-hmm. dungeon. That's important to me. Just, mm-hmm. just that. And a lot of it's reusing Link's Awakening enemies, but that's like probably the only knock I have on it. It's like yeah. a lot of it is is familiarity. So yeah. it's like it's not That's why it lands on a three there for me in that aspect right. too. Alright, let's talk about the side content and the extras. Yeah, I didn't realize you hated this. <laughs> well, alright. Where to begin with this one? Wow. <laughs> so you know me, I love collectibles mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's one of my favorite parts. In Zelda. When I think of the side content here, one, there's the trading sequence, mm-hmm. which I kind of talked about earlier. You don't even have to do it, number one, because it just leads to a secret, and then you can just do it. So in subsequent yeah. playthroughs... And it's, anybody... it's kind of stale, too. Yes. Just in general, like, a lot of it is just, like, here's a character from Ocarina of Time or something, like... Oh, like, um, Malin is in there. Yeah, Windmill Dude, Guru yeah. or whatever. I think of some of the other trading sequences uh, in Zelda, like Ocarina or Link's Awakening, and for some reason, I don't know what it is, or even Oracle of Ages, and there's just like a lot of charm yes. to what you're doing. And I don't know what it is about this. It just doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. It's just like Malin, like, here's a Cuckoo Dex, and other guy's like, I need a Cuckoo Dex. Or I don't know. It just right. it doesn't click. I, I can't explain it, but it charmless i think yeah lacking charm yeah like you don't feel there's no story of these individual characters like i guess maybe what's the mayor's wife you give the ghastly doll to i don't know i didn't get around to doing it till like later because i like so much of it was unmemorable that i was like i know a character needs this but like i can't remember who you know yeah maybe it's just my unfamiliar with that but like last couple years ago when i played like ages for example i didn't have that issue i did it similar to link's awakening where you almost have to do it as the game progresses mm-hmm. so i don't know just didn't click uh so the second part about this is the rings system okay that's the main collectible i would say in the in this game and uh i feel it's a little too complicated i don't like the randomness the rng factor to it to me if they wanted to put 50 rings in the game and made 50 locations that would have been the way to do it. I know the, like the coding behind it. There's mm-hmm. like tier one rings, tier two rings, tier three rings. Yeah. And like certain Gasha seed locations will only oh give gosh. out certain rings, and certain game, mini games will only get out certain rings. So there's a lot of stuff like, like that. So it's like, and and, and some rings are impossible to collect in one game. Any of, forget any of that. But then, just the process of equipping the rings is a little oh, weird. Sure. One, you got to go get them appraised. Uh-huh. And you got to put them in your in your ring, ring box. box, and then you have to go into your inventory and equip them within your ring box. I didn't actually know that. I don't. Maybe I didn't equip a ring. The whole okay. Maybe I don't know. Yep. I, I remember. I uh, didn't notice the difference or care. I guess. Yeah. Well, it's like so many times I, I that might have, change my score if I could. Um, where it's like, I remember uh, this was actually another marathon story. I got the blue ring. And I got it equipped, or I, I got it, I put it in my ring box, and I forgot to equip it. Oh. This is supposed to do half, make you do half. I'm like, why am I not? Oh, I didn't go into the menu and click equip. That's, yeah. It's it's kind of lame. That I, is, yeah. And then later on, you can get the, I don't, I don't know if, if you're in your recent playthrough, if you were able to get the ring box upgrade. I did. Okay. But I didn't realize 
that yeah. So it lets you hold three rings. Mm-hmm. I thought they were all equipped. Right. Yeah. They're <laughs> not all equipped. Okay. It just means you can hold three of them. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder why is there a ring box to begin with? Why don't? Why can't you just equip okay. all of them? Why do you have to go You're back to? You're convincing me. A why do you have to go here. back to Vasu every time? You <laughs> want to change which ones are? In, this seems like the most the the dumbest thing. Uh-huh. Well, what is? What kind of system is this? Yeah. So, um, now but this just didn't really strike me I, with the with the RNG elements. That's something uh, I think could be kind of cool, just because it it could spice things up a little bit, and especially because it's like collectible stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like kind of fun, especially for me. I'm not like a completionist, so I don't, I don't need this specific ring. I don't need to right. go find it. Uh, this, like a lot of things in the game for me, is just like, I got a ring. Okay, next time I'm in town, I'll get it appraised. I guess. You okay. Know? Same thing with ga- Gasha seeds or whatever. I'm like, plant this here. May- hopefully, I come by the screen again. I yeah. Don't, you know, I gave it a two because, uh, like. Again, it, it's to say it was awful wouldn't describe my experience with it. It was just okay. more like, eh, whatever, cool. Oh, there's a heart piece, so I'll get that. You know, yeah, those are cool heart pieces. There's there's twelve of them. Okay, so it, it, it's it's just like Link's Awakening. It's not like with Ocarina or Link to the Past or Twilight, where there's an abundance of these heart pieces and you yeah. find them. It's only twelve, mm-hmm. and so it's like you're either probably you're either gonna hit the four or the eight threshold usually. Yeah, and uh, one of them is a maple one, which is random. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you ever got it from people. No. Uh, oh, that that was the big holdup in the trading sequence for me too. Was because like I never, I don't remember getting hint from her that she needed an egg. Okay. Was it? Yeah. And so I was just like, I got this egg. I knew Maple was part of it. I knew she like bumps you and takes the thing and gives you another thing. But I was like, I had kind of forgotten about it. And so it's kind of on me because maybe when I saw her again, I should have hit her. Just to check, but I when she appears, you just run off the screen. I just be like, I don't, I don't care. Oh. I don't care. Like, I always let her hit me because she drops potion or rings sometimes. Maybe I should have. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it wasn't. This wasn't bad well, though. I just. Yeah. yeah. Well, I only know this because I know the game, so that's why I, uh-huh. you know, I always. Oh, it's Maple. Let's see what she got. You know, it's, <laughs> it's important. Like, Let's slam into her. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So one of them is hidden behind a uh, maple, and one of them is hidden in a gasha tree a gasha okay. nut yeah but not just I any figured. not just any gasha nut this goes there's there's various gasha nuts all over the world and they're there there's like a hidden <laughs> tier system basically i believe there's only two locations in the world <laughs> where you can actually get you sound like these. you're describing a conspiracy theory right now <laughs> like if it's like you know you can be like oh you can get a heart piece in a gasha nut Oh, okay, and you just keep planting one in front of the mayor's house. Mm-hmm. You'll never get a piece of heart. There. Okay, yeah, it just won't happen. It's impossible. That, it has to be. That it, would maybe be acceptable if there was something that would like hint to you, like this is a special spot. So this there's nothing. This it's this internal like tier system that mm-hmm. is never explained in the game, and it's only in the data now that we know, like years after we've mined all the data. Now we, that we've done an autopsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, it's been declassified. <laughs> it's really hard to get all the hard pieces, which yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. it's it's impossible to get all the rings. First of all, you need to link the game with Oracle of Ages, mm-hmm. and even then, it's a little complicated because, like, you can't get into the advanced shop. Oh, one of the one of the shops in the main town is the. This was uh-huh. keep in mind. This game was released on the Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. but it was a really, really, really late. Game Boy Color game. Oh, okay. So you could play it on your Game Boy Advance. Oh. And if you're playing on the Game Boy Advance, then you have access to the Advance shop. It's like a BS version of the Color Dungeon, almost. It's more like you can buy one ring in there. And hmm. it's the Game Boy Advance Nature Ring, and I think Game Boy Advance... I forgot what the other... There's two of them. Okay. Lame. But, yeah. like, you can't get all the rings. So between the Gasha seeds, the rings... The trading sequence and the harpies, none of them to me are like uh, virtually every collectible in this game. It's like, yeah, I don't really enjoy any of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think this is the worst side content. Okay. Maybe in any Zelda game. I think that might be true. I just, like I said before, I, to me, it, it didn't bug me too much. And then also, I can't think of anything worse. So, yeah. or better, you know, just like, eh. Whatever, got got some rings. Yeah. 
our last category is the music and sound. Mm-hmm. And this is a bit of an odd one, I think, because it's hard. Because this is, in my the biggest thing holding it back, is the console it's on. Okay, yeah. It is a Game Boy Color game. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I gave it a one myself because uh, I don't think any of the music is really awful though. Yeah, it's just nothing outside of I the overworld either. really is memorable. Um, for me, someone did, I think it was uh, Corey, who was on our team, described it as like this kind of sound makes some of the tracks amazing and some of the tracks not amazing. So I'm I'm not actually opposed to the more chip tune sound. I actually think it's great. Like that you know, and when people make music out of it, I'm like love this sound mm-hmm. but there it is there is some element to it with like a lot of dungeon tunes where it's like it's hard it's hard to be like i don't know to build like a a grim mood in the way some of the dungeons want to with the sound i think maybe mm-hmm. but in some of the areas where it's supposed to be like mystical i think it's cool like in uh the, any ruins you know t- right. farm ruins i think that's super yeah, cool that... or like even when you're when you're getting your thing at the end of each dungeon or anywhere it's like ooh mystical going to get the rod it's like yeah i i, I do think the it enhances the composition right. in a lot of ways but uh yeah most of the songs are more forgettable right. because of it yeah though I'll, I'll give them credit that you know people people stand up for dancing dragon dungeon uh at times <laughs> maybe because it's the only memorable one but like to me, I think that is that is a pretty solid banger, and okay. to get that out of a dungeon in one of these games, I think is kind of impressive. Yeah, I, I at the end of the day, it's it's very easy to compare this game to Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. and Link's Awakening had can't come out what eight years earlier mm-hmm. on the original Game Boy, but still the same audio tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the same audio tech, but. There's so many more memorable songs in Link's Awakening. Yeah, yeah. Not that, not that I think the Link's Awakening soundtrack from the original Game Boy is like standout phenomenal, but like there's some amazing tunes there too. Yeah, for some reason I remember more of those than than this. I I mean I would agree, but I'm kind of biased in terms of that. <laughs> but I mean all that with sound with the music considered, like the soundtrack is a is a two. What okay. really got me, what really brought it down to a one, because we were talking about sound, there were times where I had to turn the sound off on the console I was playing it because the sound of the magnetic gloves okay. was killing me. Okay. It's it's a neat sound effect to sound like whatever a magnet would sound like, but it was very high-pitched and grating. Mm-hmm. And it, so it seems like a lot to do one letter grade down. No, but I... But if we're talking about sound, the sound was off. You know what okay. I mean? Like, I, I just okay. had to turn it off. I, I, I lowered it myself yeah. in cases it's like piercing. that. It's piercing. So, I, you know, if that wasn't there, like, I might even raise it a little bit. Because I mentioned earlier, like, I love the sound when you kill something in one of these games. And it, it you know, makes, you know, mm-hmm. or you pick up something and all like, bloop. Like, I, I love those sound effects of this era. But yeah, that killed me. That just killed me. <laughs> So that 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 does it. Let's bring yeah. it to our our final totals. Um, you went really low, I think, for this one, or like compared to you know <laughs> what I think you're gonna give other games. Well, and everyone else too. I, well, I the community and staff both uh, ranked the Oracle of Seasons lower than Twilight Princess did mm-hmm. uh, by a fairly considerable amount. I would say they still gave it th- threes. Like a community almost has this as a what we would consider a gr- a great game or excellent game. So. Yeah, I get the sense it's coming. You know, things are coming into shape a little bit. That <laughs> with two games, but... that um, most of the games are going to be in threes and fours from the community uh-huh. and the staff. I think. Yeah. Uh, where maybe we're a little more negative than, or maybe I'm more negative than. <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't know how much lower. You or I will go though, but yeah, how low can you go? Part of me thinks like maybe I set the bar too high, and like, what am I gonna be giving? There's, I there's a lot of room between three point one and five though. So we'll. Oh see. yeah, oh yeah. So 
But like even when I think of my favorite Zelda games, neither of these two are in the upper half mm-hmm. for me personally. So um, obviously there's a lot, there's more above <laughs> it than below it. Well, I remember when we, so I remember thinking about this game in terms of some of the games I like less, maybe like Twilight Princess when we did our last definitive ranking and thinking like, oh, this is, this game is way better, even though it's not one of my favorites, just thinking, oh, this is way better. And I'm looking at it here, and as I was playing and kind of thinking about it, I was like, this, this has similar things that I kind of dislike about Twilight Princess, but in a different way, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I, I feel like we've hit, for me, both two games I think are good, like solid games, but, you know, I'm lukewarm on for, well, actually slightly different reasons, like I think, Oracle of Seasons gameplay is just mm-hmm. top notch, but yeah. Uh, so overall, the average statistics all mm-hmm. all together, uh, Twilight Princess is currently the definitive uh, best Zelda game, with a score of three point three. Yes. Compared to Oracle of Seasons, three point two. Okay. Uh-huh. So we met in the middle with every everyone. It seems. <laughs> yeah. And they maybe one out. I would say, you know, if we're if this is a competition, um, well, none of that's going to matter because we are, at this point we can announce next month's yes. game, and it's The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. So right now there is a poll in the description, so you can voice your opinion. Uh, you have the first through the first two weeks of March to, to cast your poll. So if you want to. You know, a little bit of a refresher. If you have Nintendo Switch Online, it is free to play, right? Yeah, the if you've Super got the subscription. So, yeah, uh, yeah go ahead and, and download it on your Nintendo Switch. Play it and then cast your vote. And, um, I mean, without giving away spoilers, I know where it's going to fit on my list. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it ranks overall with the community in particular. Yeah. How it buds up against twilight princess amongst the community yeah i think we're gonna start to see i mean our our list match and community and staff list kind of match but i think here on out we're gonna well i don't know maybe we'll see but i'm, I'm starting to feel like lists might start to be shaken up well right now we have there's between the four people and then the average there's only two different rankings obviously there's only two different games yeah uh, I think it's going to take at least four games until they're all distinctive. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it. Thanks for watching, guys. And uh, tune in next month for our A Link to the Past definitive ranking.